What's good, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the I'm TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed, busy show for you today. Talk about everything in the world of sports. Uh, we touch on the NFL, of course. The world, the 2019 World Series is set after the Houston Astros walked off the New York Yankees for the second time in the series via a two-run walk-off home run off the bat of Jose Altuve, the Astros' uh, undersized second baseman. Who was proved? Who was told by many that he was too short to play Major League Baseball? He couldn't do this. He couldn't do that. And lo and behold, he hits up until this point the biggest home run in his. Um, if he keeps it up, what could be a Hall of Fame career for the young shortstop Jose Altuve? So congratulations to the Houston Astros. They punched their ticket to their second uh, World Series in the past three seasons. They take on. The Washington Nationals, who I told you back on Wednesday, took care of business against the Los Angeles Dodgers, or excuse me, the St. Louis Cardinals in the NLCS a couple days ago. But we'll touch on that a little bit later on in the program. Uh, The 2019-2020 NBA season also starts on Tuesday. I'll give you my predictions for the 2019-2020 NBA season. I'll give you my predictions on that. Uh, And, of course, touch on everything that is in the world of the National Football League as far as Week 7 is concerned. and But we'll start with the NFL, and first we'll start with uh, really one of a major blow to not just the Kansas City Chiefs, but the uh, but the National Football League landscape in general as far as their superstars and their poster boys are concerned. As Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs superstar quarterback, uh, behind, you know, quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, he dislocated his kneecap in their uh, 30-6 to win over the Denver Broncos on Thursday night football. Uh, while Mahomes was in the game, he, you know, he wasn't that bad, 10 given for the amount of time that he played. He was 10 for 11 with 76 yards passing and one touchdown. It says that what I'm hearing and what I've read is that, is that, Mahomes shouldn't be out no longer than three weeks, if that. But I mean, the Chiefs—they have to. They got you know their defense. I mean, granted, the Denver Broncos and and I mean, real quick before we get the Mahomes and the Chiefs in the scenario while Mahomes was out and everything, how piss poor of a GM is John Elway? I mean, I I mean, let let me spend a couple minutes on that. I mean, let's be fair. I mean, Paxton Lynch. Uh, Brock Osweiler, I mean, uh, Case Keenum, I mean, you name it. How the one quarterback that he did, he's had two quarterbacks that have been successful since he's been GM. That's Tim Tebow and that's Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning essentially fell into his lap because he traded Tim Tebow to the Jets. But outside of Tebow and Manning, John Elway's luck as far as Getting quarterbacks, drafting and drafting quarterbacks is concerned, has been atrocious. I mean, I mean Joe Flacco, and then and then when he signs Joe Flacco in free agency this past offseason, well, Joe Flacco's an elite quarterback. Is still an elite quarterback. He's just at the peak of his prime yet. <laughs> John, I mean, have you not been paying attention? The peak of Joe Flacco's ability was when he threw us is when he threw like a 75-yard touchdown on your home parts in your building back in January 2013 to Jacoby Jones to tie up the 
the ball game in, in a divisional playoff game. That was the peak of Joe Flacco's career. The greatest, <laughs> the greatest throw he's ever made as a quarterback, whether it's NFL, college, high school, New England, the greatest throw of his life was throwing that deep bomb to Jacoby Jones to tie up the ball game, which gave the Ravens life when they, when for a moment they were caught dead to rights. You, off because of because Peyton Manning and Trendon Holiday, who what yeah Trendon Holiday who took back two kickoffs or excuse me took up took back a kickoff and took off a punt for a touchdown. He and Peyton Manning absolutely carved up your team and had you got and had the Ravens dead to rights until uh, Joe Flacco threw that long touchdown pass uh, to Jacoby Jones. And and the Ravens ended up tying the game and winning the game and ended up winning the Super Bowl. But still, Elway, Joe Flacco is not an elite quarterback. All right, the Ravens, who are a franchise, who are a franchise that is known for getting things right, and typically don't foul up the quarterback position oh too much, and really don't make a lot of hor- horrific uh, front office mistakes. That trust, tr- just trust them. All right. Joe Flacco is not the same guy he was seven years ago. That's just, that's just fact. The the capstone and the cornerstone of his career and the highlight of his career is him being a Super Bowl MVP. And the fact that the 2012 season, particularly the way he performed in the 2012 playoffs, is the best that Joe Flacco has and probably most likely will ever perform. But anyway, I had to get that I had to get that out the way. Back to Mahomes and the Chiefs. Listen, Kansas City. Let's see who Kansas City plays here in the next three games because the because if if you are a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, you cannot like the fact that your star quarterback, your franchise quarterback, is out three weeks with a dislocated knee. And I understand it could be worse, but but still, I mean, here's who they play next three weeks. They play Sunday night against the Packers. Next sun next Sunday night, that's at home. They play a home game against the Vikings, and then they go on the road to play the Texans. So Mahomes should be back at about week eleven, November the eighteenth at the latest, and that's a Monday night game in uh, that thirty thousand uh, so- seat so- soccer stadium out in uh, Carson, California. Where I where I guarantee you, and I bet my and I bet my uh, and I bet my uh, my life savings on this that that stadium will be painted in uh, yellow and red for full of Chiefs fans. So you know, so take that for what it's worth. But you know, they play the Packers, which is you know, it's 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 a marquee game. Sunday football against Aaron Rodgers at home. That's a big game. But the Vikings and Titans, they sh- both teams are you know Vikings are kind of up and down. You know Vikings are like a roller coaster. They're very they're a very inconsistent football team. Uh, the Titans are inconsistent. They don't know whether they want to be a good football team or be a mediocre. So the chi- if the chi- if Matt Moore plays pro- you know plays his game properly and doesn't try to do too much and doesn't try to get too cute and basically and basically. Does his best Alex Smith impersonation. The Chiefs should be in pr- in pretty good shape when Mahomes comes back in November. Uh, I think it's like the week before Thanksgiving, if not the week of it. But they should be they should be in pretty good hands.
well, they have a bye week, the week of Thanksgiving. So the week before Thanksgiving, when Mahomes comes back, they should be in good shape. Uh, and the week after, uh, then they're, after their bye week, which is week 13, this is the 1st of December, they got the Raiders at home, they got the, on the road against the Patriots, which they'll definitely need them for. Uh, and then they're home against the Broncos, that's the divisional game. And they go at the Bears, and then they play the Chargers at home to close out the season on uh, December 29th. But still, I mean, if, from a Chiefs standpoint, you hate to see it. Why Andy Reid called a quarterback sneak when he already had a bum ankle back back from the uh, Colt game a couple weeks ago, I honestly have no idea. But... I mean, you hate to see it to any quarterback, but especially Patrick Mahomes, who ha- who is, you know, once Brady eventually retires, whether that be next year, the year after that, or three years, or four years, or five years, hell, even down the road, you, the NFL is going to need a new uh, face of the league, if you will. And Rodgers, you know, he he'll be there, but after Brady retires, you realize that Roger that Rodgers isn't too far behind him, nor is Bree, so is Breeze and Rivers and and um, and Roethlisberger and people like that. So they're gonna so Patrick Mahomes is going to be the league, is going to be the next face of the league, you know, once once Brady and all the quarterbacks is drafted, you know, from two thousand five. Uh, previous end up uh, calling it quits, but you hate to see it to a, such an electrifying, amazing stud quarterback who everybody you know you can't. No one's not one person can say one bad thing about Patrick Mahomes. He's a good guy. He's a team guy. He's a team player. He's a community guy. He cares for people, and you just hate to see it. But but from a football standpoint, the Chiefs. They got three games coming up, but they are very, very winnable football games. And what the Chiefs basically have to do is just take a page out of the Saints book, what the Saints have done since Drew Brees went out with a thumb injury back in week two. You know, if your offense is gonna be your offense is gonna be held back because of the lack of talent at the quarterback position now going from for the Saints standpoint, going from Drew Brees to Teddy Bridgewater. Now Teddy Bridgewater's no scrub, but he's not the Hall of Fame QB Drew Brees. And the Chiefs' standpoint, going from Patrick, the electrifying Patrick, uh, the electrifying uh, last year's MVP Patrick Mahomes to to uh, Matt Moore, you know, it's you know they lose lots of talent at the quarterback position. But if the Chiefs handle themselves properly and they take care of business, they don't try to get too cute and overly complicated. And if their defense has to step up, which they which they'll have to to uh, beat to beat the uh, Packers at home next Sunday night, but they have very winnable games these next three coming up. And by the time, the week before their bye week, the week before Thanksgiving, they should be in pretty good shape when they go on when they go on the road to Calif- out to California and they play the Chargers in front of 35,000 Chiefs fans. But, you know, if they handle themselves properly, they should be in pretty good shape. Take a break. Come back. I'll talk about the uh, 2019 World Series. I'll preview that for you and recap uh, the last couple of Yankee games for you in the uh, last couple of Yankee Astro games of the ALCS back after this.
bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. And another one down. And another one down. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> Welcome back to the Amazonic TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the dot from the gridiron to the diamond. The baseball diamond, that is. The 2019 World Series is set between the American League champion, the first seed coming out of the American League, who will have best record and home field advantage throughout the World Series, and that is the Houston Astros making their second World Series appearance in three years. First time in two, first time since 2017, the Astros have played in the Fall Classic, making this the third time in this millennium that they've played in a World Series. Of course, back in 2005, when they remember the National League, when they lost to the Chicago White Sox, one of the most forgetful World Series. It's funny you go back to World, you go back to World Series. Uh, uh, you know, go back to World Series champions. People, a lot of people don't bring up 2005 and the 2006 World Series champions. They don't bring up the White Sox a whole heck of a. I mean, I granted that the Red Sox are a franchise that has uh, that has struck that has um, struggled and fallen on hard times as of late, but. But they, but the last championship was what was fit was uh, fourteen years ago. I mean, when the White Sox won a championship, my little sister was a baby. Literally, was like a, was like a few weeks old when the White Sox won a championship in two thousand and five. Uh, but and meanwhile, you look at teams like the like the Orioles and the uh, and the Dodgers, especially they haven't won a championship in over thirty years. You know, the Dodgers, of of course, have more have more recent success as far as regular season feats are concerned than the White Sox do. But the White Sox, compared to the Dodgers, they they more recently they've won a championship, 2005 to 1988. In 2006, with the Arizona, with excuse me, with the St. Louis Cardinals, that won about like what 85 games, ended up winning the whole thing. You know, when you think of World Series champs from the 2000s, you got, all right, you got the Yankees in 2000. You got the Cardinals coming back, Game 7 in 2001. 2002 hasn't really brought up a whole heck of a lot either with the Angels. 2003, it was the Marlins. You know, people kind of bring that up every now and again, mostly because they play the Yankees to do it. 2004, of course, this was the Red Sox with the curse. 2005, like you know, White Sox. I mean, brings that up that much. 2006, same th- same deal. 2007, it was the Red Sox again. 2008, it was the Phillies for the first time since the 80s. And then 2009, most recently, was the Yankees. And in 2010, it was the Giants. You know, breaking that long. Uh, you know, that long stretch of without a championship. Then 11, it was the Cardinals with David Freeze. And then 12, it was the Giants again. And then 13, it was the, it was the Red Sox for the first time at home, you know, in forever when they won when they won the clinching game of the World Series at home. The 2004 and the 2007 championships were won on the road. Uh... And then you got, and then what? Well, and then 2014, it was the Giants, Game Seven. You know, Giants went again. Then 2015 was the Royals uh, beating the Mets and Matt Harvey. Uh, and then 2016, it was the Cubs, of course, in that epic uh, World Series, one of the greatest I've ever seen in my lifetime between the Cubs and the Indians. And then 2017. 
with the with these Astros, and then 18 last year with uh, with the Boston Red Sox. But anyway, I'm getting off the beaten path. Uh, the last few game, last time we talked, it was after Game Three, uh, when the Astros beat the Yankees four to one. They were suspended that Wednesday. Game pushed back the pushed back to that Thursday. Astros took care of business one eight three, uh, thanks to uh, Masahiro Tanaka spitting a bit and giving up a three run third inning. Uh, and they had a back. They had two three run innings. They had a three run inning in the third and a three run inning in the sixth, and the Astros. Especially Correa and Springer both had home runs in that ball game. Uh, absolutely put away the Yankees in that game. The Yankees showed a little bit of fight in Game Five, uh, their last home game in New York. It turned out to be in 2019. They and they had and they had a little bit of and they put up and they put up a bit of a fight. James Paxson came in and took care of business. Uh, Yankees had a four-run first inning, which was a, which was the deciding factor in the ball game. Uh, all the scoring occurred in the first inning. Uh, innings two through nine were uh, a bunch of blanks, zeros across the board. Justin Verlander, which you know, which would scare which would scare you a little bit if you were a Astros fan. The fact that in a deciding game six on the road, he couldn't get it done against the New York Yankees, who for the most part, backs completely disappeared, mostly after game one. I mean, look, game one, they scored seven runs. Game two, they scored two. Game three, they scored one. Game four, they scored three. Game five, they scored four. And, you know, and then Verlander gives up four, gives up, uh, gives up four runs in the fifth. Excuse me, in game five. But still, I mean, if you were an Astros fan, you'd be a little bit concerned about uh, Verlander performing in a big-time game, especially on the road that, you know, if they play like a game five or a game six on the road against the Nationals, you'd be a little you'd be a little worrisome if you were an Astros fan. But, the, but then game six rolled around last night back in Houston, and the, and the, Astros, and the Astros essentially... Just took care of business. The Yankees got out to a three. Excuse me. The Astros got out to a three nothing lead. The Yankees responded with a run in the second, a run in the fourth, making it three to two. Astros scored another run in the sixth, making it making it four to making it four to two. Uh, and then DJ LeMahieu hits a game tying two run home run in the top of the ninth inning. That if George Springer would have waited about three and a half seconds to to leap and catch the ball. Oh Jose Altiwi doesn't even hit his home doesn't even hit his home run in the bottom of the ninth. But because uh George Springer jumped about three and a half seconds too early uh to in an attempt to rob DJ LeMay who's game two run game tying home run in the top of the ninth, game goes to the bottom of the ninth tied. Jose Altuve hits a walk off two run home run in the uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning, making it the first uh, walk off home run to to clinch an LCS and send a team to the World Series since Travis Travis Ishikawa did it five years ago in 2014 uh, when the Giants beat the uh, beat the Cardinals. It was a three run walk off home run back five years ago. Uh, it was the first time that the that the Yankees were eliminated. Via walk-off home run, since Bill Mazarowski did it back in the early '60s in the World Series against the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates, 
And it also give you another tip. It is the first time since the 1910s when the Yankees franchise was first getting themselves settled in. in New York. I think they were called the Highlanders back then, if I'm not mistaken. When they first got themselves situated, when they derived from the old Orioles, right? There have been two versions. There have been two Baltimore Orioles teams in the his and 150 year history of Major League Baseball. One of them were uh, one of them was the team back back in the late 1800s early 1900s that that packed up that packed up shop and moved over to New York moved up to New York and became the Highlanders which later then became the New York Yankees and then of course the second uh Orioles team the one that you know the the, the current version that came that uh started up in 1954 that came from the St. Louis Browns and have been playing in Baltimore since 1954 that have won three championships and caused yours truly quite a bit of heartache and pain anger and frustration uh throughout my what's coming up on 18 years of living here on this uh planet earth but anyway that's all that's again I digress Astros what a heck of a job uh starting pit starting pitching ended up ended up pulling through uh, ended up pulling through for them again you got to be worried if you're an Astros fan with Roberto Osuna who who the Yankees made him work uh made him made him throw him strikes walked uh who, who did he walk let me go back in and make sure who did he walk Oh, he didn't walk anybody. He gave up a base hit. He gave up a base hit to um. Let's see. Let me make sure I get the play by play right. He walked. No, he didn't. Excuse me. He Gio Urshela singled off, singled off him to start out the inning. Struck out Gardner. Then Lemayhew hit the home run. But but still, you got you got to be concerned if you're an Astros fan, putting Roberto Osuna out there in late get, late tight situations, uh, in the World Series going up against uh, Juan Soto or or Ryan Zimmerman or Anthony Rendon. You take your pick. But you know, if you're an Astros fan, you gotta be a little bit apprehensive any single time AJ Hinch signals to the bullpen in the seventh inning or later to to get Roberto Osuna, because because if the Yankees had any bit of fight and grit that they should have had, they we're playing a game seven tonight because you because you cannot expect to win championships when the back end of your bullpen, primarily your closer. Uh, is is giving up game tying two run home runs in late innings of the uh, American League Championship Series. So you gotta so you gotta proceed with caution f- with from that scenario. But the Yankees, I mean, and I'll, and so we'll put that's I'll bring up the Yankees, put a nail in the coffin on this series. I'll go to World, and I'll give you my thoughts on the World Series. But for the New York Yankees, who made such a big stink. Over and over and over again, all season long, about how we have savages in the box and how we tear up at the plate and how, you know, granted they did a good, they had a good regular season, but when you're the New York Yankees and you haven't won a championship in ten years and you got eliminated by your hated rival arch nemesis, the Boston Red Sox, last season in a best-of-five divisional series, and the season before that you lost to these same Astros in seven games. 
No, no, no Yankee fan wants to hear about great regular season, and no Yankee fan gives a crap about the over about winning over a hundred games and the fact they won the division for the first time in seven years since 2012. Nobody gives a crap. Okay, these are the New York Yankees, and the fact that they could not handle business and essentially got outplayed and all got out hit, got out get out pitched with a starting rotation. The fact that that happened. Is uh, for a from a Yankee perspective is an absolute disgrace. Now it was win. Now it was win win for me. I don't like Houston and I hate the Yankees, of course, because I'm an Orioles fan. So it was so it was win win for me. But even but still, how in the world do you guys spit the bit this badly? I mean, and I was telling my brothers last night. Do the Yankees realize that the Tampa Bay Rays, who have the lowest payroll in the sport. Who who play in a who play in an essential trash can of a stadium? Get outside of the outside of five outside of the divisional series against Houston gets no fan support, none whatsoever. Have the lowest payroll in the history of the sport. Do more with less than anybody in the sport, and that that includes more. The, they do more. They do less with more than the rate than the athletics do. I don't want to sit. I'm sick of hearing about the athletics and Billy Bean and with the Moneyball situation. The Rays are are the real Moneyball champions right here because because the Rays believe because the Rays for what it's worth made the Houston Astros sweat in a in a series. Yankee, I mean the Yankees made them sweat. But it was, it was, you know, it was last effort, you know. Yankees, Yankees made Houston sweat down the stretch. Houston and Tampa, it was, it was punch for punch, game for game, you know. Houston, Houston punches, punches uh Tampa right in the mouth. Tampa, Tampa responds with an upper, uppercut to the jaw. You know, they were, they were trading punches. Tampa, at least from my perspective, gave Houston more of a fight than the Yankees did, which is a, which is a major major problem. And if you're a Yankee fan, you should take major I- issue with because this is the team that has the highest payroll in the history of the sport. They have all the assets and all the resources at their at their disposal, being the being the most wealthiest and, and and making and providing and generating the most revenue in the sport than the New York Yankees. So they have the emblem of the logo, the na- the name of the team. The the uh, the Yankee hat, the pinstripes, the all the numerous amounts of legends from from uh, from Babe Ruth to Derek Jeter. They have all of that. They have all of the advantages that comes with being the New York Yankees. And you're trying to and you guys playing a best of seven uh, championship series against the Houston Astros, whom you lost to two years ago, by the way. And you guys, and you guys go out like this. Starting pitching was atrocious. Lineup couldn't hit their way out of a paper bag if their life depended on it. I mean, I mean, I mean, look at the Aaron Hicks hitting one hitting one fifty four. I mean, hitting one hitting one fifty four in the postseason. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion hitting hitting oh hitting one one sixty one in the postseason, but in the but in the ball you know in the ball game was was zero for three with three strikeouts. That's unacceptable. Brett Gardner, same deal, one for four. You, you can't have you can't have that. I'm sorry. You, you hit one seventy six in the postseason. I mean, can somebody show up, please? Gary Sanchez, same deal, thirty one at bats in one twenty nine with with eight homer and three RBIs. 
who was one for three in the ball game with the strikeout. I mean, I mean, come on, D D Gregorius. I mean, he did pretty well in the postseason, but um, I mean, he I mean, he was two for I mean, he was two for. Uh, he was two for four, but still, one he hit one he hit two seventeen in the series. I mean, can a Yankee bat? I mean, other than Aaron Judge, other than Judge, and other than um, Glaber Torres, can a Yankee bat sh- wake up and 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 hit, and hit for me, please? I mean, Gardner, uh, Gardner, Encarnacion. I mean, you, Aaron Hicks, you name it. Can somebody show up? Stanton, who you know who. Essentially, this season robbed money from the Yankees because he played about a handful of games, regular season and postseason combined. I think combined regular season, postseason, he played no less than about thirty. Ga- he played no less than about forty something, thirty to forty something games. But I mean, the Yankees lineup all up and down. Who I heard Aaron Boone go on and on and on about how savages they are. Well, how savages can you be when? When when combined when combined your team goes ten for thirty five in a game six of a of a uh, of a of a um, American League Championship Series. I mean that's terrible. That that's pathetic. And starting and the starting rotation wasn't any better either. I mean, I mean outside of pack outside of Paxson and and outside of Paxson in game five, and out and outside of uh, and outside of t- what I think it was Tanaka. Outside of yep, and outside of Tanaka in game one, outside of Paxson in game five, his starting rotation was horrendous in the series. It was horrible. And in fact, you guys go a whole decade for the first time since since the beginning of your franchise started appearing in the World Series and going the and going and going uh, f- for the first time since the '80s without winning one is embarrassing for the New York Yankees. And George Steinbrenner somewhere. Wherever he, wherever he may, wherever his body rests, and God bless, and God bless his soul, he has to be rolling in his grave at this. If George Steinbrenner was was alive, I, I tell you one thing: Boone will be gone. Stanton would be Stanton would be out of there. Uh, I mean, George Steinbrenner would fire and clear house so fast, and it'd make your freaking head spin. And if you and if you and if you don't believe me. He, and if you don't believe me, here's all you need to know. He fired Billy Martin five times. Fired him. Five different times. That's all you need to know about about the uh, late, one of the greatest owners in all the sports, in my opinion, the great George Steinbrenner. But switching gears now to the World Series itself. Game one uh, takes the starters at this time. I'm recording this. The starters are yet to be announced for game one of the World Series. That game will be started at 8.08 Minute Maid Park in Houston uh, between the Nationals and the Astros. Game will be seen. Game can be seen nationally on your local Fox station. can be heard nationally on ESPN Radio. Uh, game one is on Tuesday night. Uh, so they stay away from Monday Night Football. Uh, game two is game two was on Wednesday night. The following night, same, about a minute sooner at eight oh seven instead of eight oh eight. But you know who, what difference does it make? Starts at the eight o'clock hour. But game two is in Houston. Game th- uh, they have a travel day uh, on Thursday to allow Buck to go to uh, 
the fly out to I think they I think let's see what game buck because I think Fox Fox at while the MLB postseason is going on Fox I gives Buck like the Sunday off. Now it'd be interesting to see if he's in Chicago calling Saints and Saints and Bears uh, later this afternoon. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. And I haven't heard any word that he is or isn't, so we have to wait and see on that. But weeks, well, week eight. That's uh, the Thursday night game, week eight. So Thursday night game, week eight is Redskins and Vikings in Minnesota, and Buck essentially will have to get a. Uh, Either wake up in the wee hours of the morning to get to Minnesota, or or fly directly after the game. And God forbid it's an eighteen inning. Again, God forbid it's a uh, it's an extra inning game, a la Game Five of the World Series uh, two years ago between the Dodgers and the uh, Dodgers and the Astros. Or God forbid it's the eighteen inning marathon that went till about three thirty in the morning here in the East between the Dodgers and the Red Sox last year. So, and God, God forbid either of those scenarios happen in game two, or else Joe Buck will be as fried as a, will be as fried as a oyster at your local uh, Maryland seafood restaurant in the middle of July, because depending on how the logistics for his travel uh, goes, he's going to have to hop on, hop on a plane at the Houston airport, uh, fly up, fly up to uh, Minnesota. Do what what uh, homework he can on the Vic on the Vikings Redskins game on the Vikings Redskins Thursday night game. Call that game call that game on Thursday, and th- and then wake and then either take a late flight or wake up in the wee, wee hours of the morning to fly from to fly from Minnesota to Dulles or to fly from, to fly from Minneapolis to Dulles Airport in Washington to call game 3 of Astros and Nationals on fr- on Friday night and then game 4 and then game 4 of that series will be in Washington the next night uh, next Saturday and then game 5 if necessary will be in Washington and then game 6 and 7 will occur next Tuesday and Wednesday at the towards the end of the month in Houston but that's where you stand as far as like the schedule goes for the 2019 World Series uh if you ask me who's going to win this series I'd ha- I I'd have to say the Washington Nationals you know uh the Nas- I, uh, the Nationals bullpen has it's whatever was their problem back in May. They seem to have fixed it. This bullpen as a looks is a solid bullpen uh, right now. Uh, the the Nationals can compete with the Astros as far as starting pitching is concerned. Their their uh, starting rotations are just about equal. The Astros have Cole and Verlander. The Nationals have Strasburg and Scherzer, and not to mention Anibal Sanchez. Uh, so, I mean, both. So the Nationals bring what the Yankees couldn't, and that is a solid starting rotation. Uh, both teams really, they don't have. I mean, both teams' bullpen is not necessarily their strength. Uh, so you gotta keep an eye out on that. But both both lineups, I mean, uh, these teams are are dead even. I mean, I know their records are are very much different, but they but both these teams are dead even. Both of these teams have starting rotations that would make you sh- shaking your boots. 
both of these teams have lineups up and down that can get that can, that when it's needed and when necessary can get timely hits, can knock the ball out the ballpark if need be. Both have speedster guys who can play small ball if you need them. Altuve on the Astros, of course, you know Altuve is a power hitter, but Altuve of the Astros, and then of course. And of course, the Nationals have guys like Trey Turner and Soto in their lineup. So it should be a pretty fun, interesting series, and I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm going to say, you want a prediction? I'm going to say the Washington Nationals win their first championship and will win and will win and will win the World Series in seven games. Seven games. I I would be floored if they won in five, which I'd like them to win in five because, you know, who does, you know, the team that, to, you know, in hockey and basketball and in baseball, I like to see the team that wins the, that I want, that I predict to win a championship. I like to see them win on their home floor. It's just special and it just means more just to have that fan base in the background. But, I mean, back-to-back-to-back World Series uh, champions have won a championship on uh, on the road. So, I'm going to go with, I'm going to roll with that trend and say that the Nationals win Game 7 in Houston and will be crowned 2019 MLB uh, champions on Wednesday, October 30th, the day before Halloween. That was a long segment, but hey, it was worth it. Take a break. My 2019-2020 NBA season predictions right after this. Welcome back to Time to Tell Like a TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the NBA from the gridiron to the diamond to the hardwood. Give you all three sports in this episode of your favorite little sports talk podcast. Uh, switching gears now to the NBA, something I have not discussed really since what July with the free agency scenario. Uh, but I'll, I'll give it. Uh, I'll give it the time of day here because this season is just about to, uh, you know, see their their new season, 2019 to 2020 season is just about to commence. Uh, and we'll, you know, I'll pretty much do this for you and then leave the NBA alone till about December because the post, because the World Series and the NFL is higher priority than, even though this year the NBA has been good, but I mean, it's, it's a long 82 game season. We got plenty of time to uh, break down LeBron and, uh, and the Clippers, trust me, but, uh, we give you my NBA uh, season predictions here. Um, something I did not do uh, for you guys last year, and that's a that's a bad job on my part. That's a bad job on my part. But this year I will give you my 2019 NBA season predictions. Uh, last year, of course, the Toronto Raptors beat the Golden State Warriors to win their first NBA championship in the history of their franchise. But that's a new that's that was last season. 
That was back in June. This is now here in October. Kawhi is on a new team. It is a new day, a new league, a new era in the NBA. So, let's go by division, shall we? Start off, starting off with the Atlantic Division. Keep the round ball rock going. One of the greatest theme songs in the history of sports television. The theme song uh, for the NBA on NBC back in the 90s. Uh, let's start off with the Atlantic Division and last year's champions. The Toronto Raptors went 58 and 24. Won the uh, were 32 and 9 at home, 26 and 15 on the road. And we're 12 and 4 within the Atlantic Division. Uh, this is a team that had Kawhi Leonard for one year, came in, won a championship, left them for his hometown in LA for the Clippers. This is a this is a team that is looking to, even though they it will be a long shot for, to them doing so, particularly with winning the division, or excuse me, particularly with them winning a championship, not necessarily. Uh, making it back to the NBA Finals, which if they keep their heads down, they just work. Especially with no KD in Brooklyn, it is very, it is very uh, plausible and very, you know, not out, not out, not completely out of the ordinary for them to uh, win the Eastern Conference again. But, but. They have their fan base is alive and well. They're on the NBA map, if as you will. Their five is going to look like what, this is what the starting five is going to look like with Kyle Lowry, Norman Powell, OG Anubi, Pascal Siakam, and Mark Gasol, with Serge Ibaka and Freddie Van Fleet coming off the bench. It's a shallow Eastern Conference, like I mentioned, so them making it back to the NBA Finals would not shock me, you know, which is very plausible and very easy to do and something that they should take advantage of before Durant uh, comes, before Durant uh, puts on the Brooklyn Nets uniform for the 2020-2021 season because he's out this season. Granted, a new member of the Brooklyn Nets, he's out this season because of him uh, repairing an Achilles injury, which he suffered against the uh, against these Raptors in, I believe, Game 5 of the Finals. But it's very possible and very uh, easy for them to uh, take and very easy for them to do. Uh, I think, let's see, I think Toronto's going to go, hmm... I, th- I love this music, man. I think Toronto's going to go 58 and... Not 58. I say Toronto goes... I say Toronto goes about... I say Toronto wins about 48 games. How about that? 48. Uh, With... Jesus. Uh, this is a long, this is a long list of teams. So you know what I'm gonna do? Screw it. You know what I'm gonna do instead? 
give you my eight teams that are went that are going to the playoffs because because the NBA. Oh my gosh, money! They got so they got so many freaking teams in here. It's ridiculous. Uh, I think I honestly think I think. Brooklyn is some. Brooklyn's going to get the one seed. Toronto, I believe, will get the second seed. I believe. No, scratch that. Milwaukee will get the first seed. Uh, Toronto will get the. Toronto will get the second. Brooklyn will get the third. Uh, Boston will get the fourth. Uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, I believe, will get the. Uh, will get the five seed. Uh, six seed. I will give that to. Give that to Orlando. They made the playoffs uh, last year. Uh, let's see, who's uh, definitely not the Knicks, and uh, definitely not Charlotte. So let's see. Let me put Washington in there as a seven, and then Detroit as an eight. And then with the Western Conference, which is by far the most, I mean, you might as well not even watch Eastern Conference basketball because Eastern Con, because the because the complex of competitive basketball between the East, not as not what I mean by competitive basketball, I mean competitive basketball is in like the quality of play from the teams. Eastern Conference this year is is an absolute atrocity. It's, it's a it's a disgrace. I mean. I mean, there is. I mean, it would never happen. But the New York Knicks, for crying out loud, have a, have a decent chance to win the Eastern Conference. That's how trash the conference. That's how trash the conference is. Given the fact that that all the superstars, essentially, outside of Durant, but he's hurt for this year, you know, so he technically doesn't count. All the superstars out west with LeBron, Anthony Davis, uh, Westbrook, Harden. Uh, the uh Kawhi, all the su- outside, again outside of Durant, but he's not playing this year, so it doesn't count. All the superstars are out west, every single one of them. AD, Dur- AD, LeBron, uh, Westbrook, and Harden. They're all 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 of the NBA superstars. Their juice and their firepower is out west, except for, except for two players in Ky- in Kyrie, except for really Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And B and B Simmons all and B Simmons they're not quite there yet in my opinion they're not they're not that electrifying remote stopper type of player not yet at least not yet and B first of all has to get enough stamina to uh, you know to put to play to play ball games and to play playoff basketball games instead of using the sniffles as as an excuse, playing about playing twenty three minutes and then calling it a night. No, 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 no. You're Joel Embiid. Get get off your hind parts. Go out there and show off and play basketball and ball out, please. Cause then, and and then don't and then and then don't come out with your hand out with the with uh, you know to Sixers management asking for a big time contract when you never play. That 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 you can't do. That you can't do. A Western Conference is where it's going to be. I mean, Zion even now Zion is hurt. He's going to miss the beginning of the regular season, which which would scare you to a degree if you were a uh, if you were a Pelicans fan, considering the you know Zion. He's a he's a he's a great talent. He's you know has potential to be an all time great NBA player. Thing that scares you about Zion is that he weighs way 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 too much. 
He needs to, you know, and then it's not going to be easy living in such a food-centric, great food, food and restaurant city such as New Orleans. But somehow he's got, I mean, with the muscle and the extra body fat, because, you know, I would imagine the kid likes to eat. It's going to be extra super, super hard to try to keep that weight off and try to be as slim as possible. Because big guys, not just big guys in the NBA, but big, big guys in non-contact sports find themselves to get hurt easily. Whether in basketball and baseball especially. Because those two and go and in golf really go and in golf really too and, and even tennis, those those sports when you have to twist your body and shift your weight in different directions and you're using your joints and you're, and you're using essentially all of your uh, all of your uh, ligaments and all of your uh, and all of your limbs and everything and you're and you're big you're tall. You're tall, muscular, and big like that. You you tend to you tend to to get hurt. I mean, just ask the Yankees with Stanton. Just ask the Yankees with Judge. I mean, tall, tall, big, and muscular. When you're playing sports such as baseball and basketball specifically, those ten, those a lot of times don't end up working in your favor. You know, I mean. If you play football, you don't. You won't end up getting hurt. You know, pulling muscles and and having tweaks in the in the hamstrings and and bicep injuries and and, th- and things of that nature. But when you play ba- when you're over when you're over essentially when you're over six foot four and you weigh in like the two fifties and the two sixty range, whether you just be a huge, big, overly built, muscular dude or you're muscular and you like to eat, so you got a little bit of a belly on you, so you got Body, you know, you're not obese, but you got body, but you got body fat and body weight because you like to eat and you like to lift weights. When you play sports such as basketball and baseball, that's not a necessarily a good combination. But New Orleans should be a competitive, interesting basketball team if and only if Zion stays on the court. Houston, you know. Houston, in a sense, you can write them off for winning to to winning 50, 50, 50 and sixty plus games in a regular season. The bottom line with the Houston Rockets is I I don't give a crap about what they do in October, November, December, January, February, and the early parts of March. What or excuse me, March and the early parts of April. What I care about and and even in May, even. Even in April, just in general, the early rounds, nobody gives a crap about how they play against the eighth or seventh seed in a Western Conference in a best of seven first round playoff series in the middle of April when it's when it's sixty degrees outside, and it's sixty degrees outside, and we're, and we're still freezing our hot parts off here here in the Northeast. No one gives a crap about what James Harden does from October to to April. Nor for the early parts of May. What we care about is how you do in the month of May, essentially from Mother's Day on. That's what we. That's what we care about because you have met, you and Westbrook, for that matter, have made a living off of choking in the playoffs in a big spot, particularly waiting towards the very end to do so. Whether it be blowing three, whether it be Westbrook blowing three one against uh, Golden State a few years ago, whether it be Houston and whether it be Houston and Golden State blowing, blowing a blowing a lead to Golden State a couple of years ago, whether whether it be them practice, just not flat out showing up in this past year's NBA playoffs back in back in late May, whatever the case might be, both of these two 
together and apart have made a living. It's their it's essentially it's their trademark for them essentially waiting till the latter part of the playoffs and choking and choke and essentially choking to death and making a complete fool of themselves on the national stage. So I don't give a crap about what Russell Westbrook and James Harden does on a Tuesday night in the, in the middle of uh, January. Nobody gives a crap. What I give a crap about is how he does how he does in the springtime. That's what I give a crap about. Nobody cares. No, when it comes to these two, nobody cares about how they about how they play in the middle of the winter time. What I care about is how they play in the middle of the spring. That's what I care about. When kids are about to be when kids are about to be out of school and you know kids are about to graduate and and the wet and the weather's nice and warm and we start breaking out the uh, the flip the flip flops and tear the tarp off the swimming pool and start opening up and firing up the grill again, Th- that is the time of the year where I give a crap about how James Harden plays and and because that because quite frankly that's when it's most important that's when it's most vital. Nobody cares about what he does in the middle of uh, in the middle of the winter time. Nobody. Please, out of out of an eighty-two game season, nobody and and you and you that good and that great of a talent that your team makes the playoffs nearly every, every almost every single year because of you single-handedly and having Chris Paul to help you in. Now your old pal Westbrook, who who left OKC, and when you guys failed in OKC to begin with, now all of a sudden you guys think it's going to be a different narrative in Houston. No, it will not be. I don't expect this. I don't expect this tandem nor this team to win a freaking thing to, together as uh, as teammates. Not one thing, except winning the division, except essentially except, but winning the division. That's it. They're not winning a single championship or even going to the NBA Finals with these two together. That's just the bottom line. No, the 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 lock up the lock up the, the top three seeds in the in the conference are getting knocked out by you know, and, and getting and getting knocked out by Portland. <laughs> We're getting knocked out by San Antonio because they because they make the playoffs every year essentially because Greg Popovich is the is the best coach in the NBA. I don't want to hear Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is the product of of his roster. Okay, you you give me a team with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson on it, and see and see if I don't win sixty plus games with them. Greg Popovich is the is the single is he he's the he's the Bill Belichick of of uh, of of basketball. Except the fact that he doesn't have an all time great with except that he hasn't had an all time great with him every season and every year of his career. He's a he's a Bill Belichick of a sport. Finds the finds the best in his players when when past franchises you know throw him. He finds the best. He finds the best in everybody, and he somehow, some way, is a wizard and a genius and a magician of of getting the most out of out of their teams to to make the playoffs every single year. You know, so he, you know, I'll, I'll probably hear or read on ESPN or first take whatever about how James Harden and Westbrook are gonna break or set some. Ominous record on the most combined points and most combined triple double. Uh, I could care less. What do you guys do? What are you guys going to do in May? And that's what that's what it counts. I mean, and then with and then with the Golden State, they'll be good. They'll be competitive, breaking out a new arena, of course. But with Golden State, their issue is, you know, and no one should or no one can say boo. Because of the fact that they got Clay Thompson now out 
till Clay Thompson's going to be out till March. So it's essentially Steph Curry riding solo. DeMarcus Cousins left Golden State. Uh, you know, Thompson, he'll be out till March with the torn ACL. Durant is gone. So they're going to be a good, they, you know, they're going to win about, they're going to win 50, 50 games. But Golden State is not going to be the same Golden State that we've seen in years past. So we kind of can kiss that dynasty goodnight. But but they will continue to be competitive and will be competitive in, to, to, in the 2019-2020 season. But they had no way under any circumstances uh, favors to win the NBA championship. Not in my eyes and not my estimation at least. Uh, you know, Port, I already mentioned San Antonio. Portland will be good because they still got because Damian Lillard is is loyal to Portland, which is something you really don't see a lot in sports, especially in in today's culture, the NBA, where it's more about pairing up with your buddies and winning championships, and it is loyalty to a franchise and loyalty to a city and a fan base. But Damian Lillard shows that, which is why the Trailblazers why the Trailblazers will be competitive. Remember, they knocked out uh, Oklahoma City uh, back in the playoffs last year, but they'll be competitive and make it back. But Damian Lillard can't win championship by himself going up in this high in this high star-powered Western Conference. But but uh, you know, and with the and it'll be Lakers and Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, you know that that will that that will be your story. It'll be it'll be Lakers and it'll be Lakers and Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. And, and you know in the West and in the East, I'll say it'll be Toronto and Brooklyn. I'll, I'll say Toronto and Brooklyn in the East, and in Lakers and Clippers in the West. And you want me to give you an NBA Finals? <sighs> I'll say hmm. I'll say go Brooklyn and Lakers. They got Anthony Davis. They got LeBron sitting there. They got rid of, you know, Lonzo Ball, which is a major distraction. They had all. They gutted out all the negativity and the negative drama. LeBron will be poised. He'll be focused. He'll be pissed off, and he'll be like, you know what? It's time for the king to reclaim his throne. So it'll be Lakers and Toronto in the NBA Finals when we're sitting there uh, in June. And I believe that the NBA that the NBA Finals champion will be the Los Angeles Lakers beating the beating the Raptors in a clean four-game sweep. And that's the NBA for you. Take a break. The National Football League. This topic of conversation. Back after this.
Welcome back to the TIS Podcast. Switching gears now back to the National Football League. We began the show with the NFL. Now we'll end the show with the NFL as far as Week 7 is concerned. Two big games on tap for Week 7 in the uh, in the National Football League. First off, we'll go with Ravens and Seahawks first. That game starts at 425 on Fox. The 4-2 Ravens coming off of a victory against my Cincinnati Bengals at home last week. Meanwhile, the Seahawks coming off of a win on the road against the Cleveland Browns. They are at 5-1, a game behind the uh, Western Division leading uh, San Francisco 49ers who are at 5-0, and but they've had a bye week, so they are on top of the Seahawks as far as win percentage is concerned. Uh but the, but this is this should be a this should be a very uh exciting and, and intriguing football game. Uh the Ra- the Ravens this season they've given up twenty three points allowed per game. They've given up three hundred and fifty total yards and two sixty nine passing yards allowed compared to only giving up two ten last year, giving up two ninety two in total offensive yards allowed and only and averaging about eighteen points a game in uh, you know, for the defense, uh, like they did last season. So the Ravens defense you know, has not been as strong as it has been last year, particularly the fact that their pass rush has been has been less than uh has been less than stellar uh to a degree. Uh but they but they've ran the football quite a bit. Uh they're on pace to become the first team since the seventy seven Bears to average at least two hundred yard two hundred yards rushing a game, in which those Bears uh back forty one, forty two years ago averaged two hundred and five rushing yards uh a game. But and Lamar Jackson ran ran a plenty against the Ravens, but this is not gonna but that's not gonna work against or excuse me, against the Bengals. And that's not gonna work against the Seattle Seahawks who who have who have played less who have played anything but not excuse me. They've played stellar my phrase I'm getting all my phrases misconstrued. They've played they've played absolutely stellar football. I mean the one loss that they that they had was when Teddy Bridgewater outplayed Russell Wilson back on September the 20 back on September the 22nd. I mean that 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 uh, think about that for a minute. Their one their one and only loss of the season was on September twenty second when Teddy Bridgewater outplayed Russell Wilson and the D and the defense had and the defense didn't play you know as well as they should have. But Seahawks have done a phenomenal job, especially with Russell, especially Russell Wilson. I mean Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson right now is looking like NFL league is looking like league is looking like the NFL MVP this season. He's he's look he looks like he not not I mean he looks like and should be uh, the MVP and there's no reason why he shouldn't be. There is no reason why he shouldn't be an NFL MVP because his performance has been so phenomenal and so outstanding so far this season that honestly, if the Forty ers had a little bit of a harder schedule. The Seahawks would be in first place and have one of the top seeds in the NFC. But because the 49ers have played, albeit a compared to the Seahawks, a, a, a soft schedule. I mean, you got to be on. I mean, you got to be honest. The 49ers. Let's look. Let's look. Let's look and see who the 49ers have played. 
I mean, they playing the red. I mean, they're playing the Redskins this week, but I mean, their schedule has been their schedule has been a has been a has been a, outside of they their schedule has been a cakewalk. Opening up, open the first two games of the season against the Buccaneers and Bengals. Okay, the Steelers. I mean, then you know with no Ben Roethlisberger. Make it, I mean, come on, Browns who can't get out of their own way. I mean, the the their most impressive win they've had this season is is against the Rams. Outside of last week's Ram, outside of last week's Ram Ram game, the Forty ers have had a pretty soft and easy schedule. I mean, I mean, they've yet to play the Seahawks. They play the Green Bay Packers in November, and they've yet to play the Saints. And they also got to play the Rams again. But but outside of that Ram game last week, they they have played a really 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 soft schedule coming out coming out of the coming out of the get gate. So I mean that they're a good football team, but honestly, I don't care about. Re- the 49ers are not a better team than than the Seattle Seahawks. I'm sorry. The 49ers are a product of having a, a soft schedule to begin the season. Like it or not. Now, I mean, the Seahawks, you know, they've played. I mean, the weakest team they've played is the Cardinals. The Bengals gave the bang the Bengals gave put up a fight against them week one. Same with you know, same with the Steelers, and they had big and Ben Roethlisberger played through the majority of that, you know, through some of that game, but they've played the Rams and the and the Saints already. Now they lost against the Saints, but still. But from here on out, the Ravens' hardest opponent, you know. Depending on how the for it could be the Forty ers Depending on how they do the rest of the season, it could be it could be this game with the Ravens, or it could be the uh, Eagles. Depending on what happens with them the rest of the year, or the Rams. But Forty ers are not a better team. Russell Wilson's better than better than Garoppolo. I I I just can't see the Forty ers You know, uh, keeping up, keeping pace. I just, I just cannot see it. I'm sorry, but the back, but back to the Ravens Seahawks game. That's going to be an interesting, entertaining, intriguing football game between two teams that are looking to gain uh, power and and uh, authority of their respective divisions. Two teams that have not played uh, since 2015. It's been four years uh, when the when that was in 2015 when the Ravens. Like I told you guys, what about a couple weeks ago, whatever. That's the that's the worst I've ever seen. That's the worst I've ever seen the Baltimore Ravens play as far as the season is concerned. I think the Ravens went. I think they either went six and ten or five and eleven, or maybe even four and twelve. Let me look that up right quick. But that but that that was a lost season for the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, and not because the team itself was terrible. But because of the fact, but because of the fact that that the team was in, got bit by the injury bug and got they went five and eleven, yeah, that team got bit by the injury bug and got bit but and get and got bit bit with the injury bug hard. I mean, think about it, that's the only losing season that they've had under John Harbaugh was 2015, and it wasn't even his fault because and it wasn't even his fault because uh, it was it wasn't even his fault because. Because of the team, because the team was it was in, was injured up up and down up and down the roster. 
Look at let me hold on. Let me read the, just just a few. Let me read read you these names of the players who are on IR. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, Michael Campanero, Chris Canny, uh, Matt Elam, Will Davis, Joe Flacco tore his ACL against the Rams. Justin Forsett, Crockett Gilmore, Eugene Monroe, Brashad Perryman, like, like he couldn't catch anything with the Ravens anyway, but still. Dennis Pitta had his hip issues. Steve Smith towards Achilles. Terrell Suggs, he was on IR. Lorenzo Taliaferro, Jeremy Zut. I mean, look at all. I mean, these are starters that were on that were on injured uh, reserve for the Ravens. And you can't expect the Ravens to win anything. We have Jimmy Clausen, Ryan Mallett, and Matt Schaub as your quarterback. I mean, come on. But, I mean, but anyway, that's, uh, and Jimmy Smith is doubtful with a knee injury. Hollywood Brown is also questionable as well. But, I mean, that's just, that was the last time when those two teams uh, went at. I was at that game, as a matter of fact, and met uh, and had a nice conversation with uh, Stephen Hauschka, who was the kicker for the Seattle Seahawks at the time. I had a nice conversation uh, and a nice little chat with Stephen Hauschka's uh, father, who we who I met at the game uh, the last time these two teams played that was in Baltimore that got flexed out of the Sunday night deal. That game was originally scheduled for Sunday night, but because the Ravens were so terrible that season, they got flexed, they got flexed out of the Sunday night game and were flexed into um, into the one o'clock uh, scenario, and and the Ravens in losing that game were eliminated from playoff contention. But anyway, it's not here nor there. That should be an entertaining football game to watch. I think see it. I believe and I believe Seattle will win that football game as well. Uh, second game, second and last order of business. Let me get on up out of here. Is uh, is um the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia and the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles uh coming off of a loss and huge part of their defense not bothering showing up and making Kirk Cousins out to be Fran Tarkington in uh, last week's game. Meanwhile, Dallas is coming off of losing their third straight game on the road against the Jets. Dallas returns home. Uh Carson Wentz uh, completing 61% of his passes, averaging with 243 passing yards a game, 12 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. Dak Prescott, the, both of these teams are at, are dead even at 3-3, three and three, tied for first place in the NFC East. Dak Prescott is 69% completion percentage, averaging 313 passing yards a game, 11 touchdowns and 6 interceptions. Uh... Let's see. Give you. I always have to give you these little uh, nuggets of stats. The Eagles are giving up 280 passing yards to get. You know, averaging 280 passing yards given up this season. Their most since 2013 under Ship Kelly. So, like I said, their defense has not been has not been uh, great for them as of you know as of uh, as of late. But the Eagles' defense hasn't given up, uh, hasn't let a uh, an opposing running back run for over 100 yards against them since Legarrette Blunt in 2000, 
or excuse me, have not had a 100-yard rusher as in like their running back. hasn't Their own running back hasn't rushed for 100 yards since LeGarrette Blunt in Week 4 in 2014, longest active drought in the National Football League. This is an important game for both of these teams. Uh, Eagles, of course, need this to stay in the hunt and for the NFC playoffs. Uh, Cowboys need this in a worse way because... You know, if they lose to if they lose to the Eagles, especially at home, you know, and in prime time Sunday Night Football, no less, and lose four in a row, heads will need. He, you better believe heads heads have to roll. But it's starting with Jason Garrett and making its way on down. If you're a Dallas, if you're a part of Dallas Cowboys, you cannot lose this game under any circumstances, because if you do, your season is. Hanging it, hanging in the balance by a thread. To, to be, to be quite candid, you see, you have to win this game. You have to. Now, Eagles need this game too, but the Cowboys have lost three. Have the Cowboys have lost three in a row? They need this game in the worst way imaginable. In the worst way imaginable. So. That wraps it up for me. I'd like to thank you for listening to another episode of the Amantucka TIA's podcast. If you're new to the podcast, you like what you heard, please subscribe down below or wherever the subscription thing is. If you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, give it a five-star rating. Share it with your friends, family, co-workers, teammates, whatever the case might be. Share it on social media. Follow me on Twitter at the J Shield. Follow uh, the show at Amitalika TIS. I'm your boy, Jai Shields. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless. Happy birthday, Christopher Mad Dog Russo as well.